episode 793. The tailgate tour is over, and now the focus turns to the NFL draft. Today, we'll focus on edge defenders with Chad Ryder of NFL.com and safeties with Cheesehead TV's own Eric Fretland. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Carvu, and today we're talking about the NFL draft. To do that, we're joined by a guest. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Chad Reuter of NFL.com. Mr. Reuter, how are you today? Doing great. Glad to have you on the show, and uh, Chad, to to give our listeners an opportunity to get to know you to kick things off here, can you tell them about your role at NFL.com and how a Wisconsin native came to work there? I'm a draft analyst and a draft researcher for um, NFL Media, so I get to help write, I write articles um, for the website and also provide information uh, for um, the guys on air during the combine and and the draft as well. Um, I started a website um, a long time ago called PackerDraft.com, and that led to some opportunities um, working for first CBS Sports and the Sports Exchange, and then um, I, I uh, move on to NFL Media about. Well, five years ago now. So um, I've seen a little bit of everything from uh, from all sides, and uh, it's been a great ride. Well, for the purposes of this show, I think that's great for a person who covers it from a national perspective to have that Wisconsin background and kind of know what the Packers are looking for there. And, Chad, I read your most recently published mock draft. You've got the Packers picking T.J. Watt for reasons that I assume go beyond just the Wisconsin connection. What do you think Watt offers the Packers uh, that they would like? Well, I just think he's a good football player. I mean, he, he and his, his story is very similar to Clay Matthews and that they were kind of, a, um, I won't say a one-year wonder, but they really – really came into being in their last year of on campus and uh, both phenomenal athletes. Watt really had a great combine and showed off the athleticism that we've all assumed he had and, and shown he had on the field when given the opportunity. And of course, being JJ's brother doesn't, doesn't hurt. But um, honestly, the, you know, one of the reasons that you want to, would like to see him play in Green Bay is he has a, position versatility um he can play outside uh as well as inside linebacker for the team and much in the way that 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 clay did and i think you know they could use some help inside a linebacker so he could he could play both both positions and and uh you know i think a lot of people um assume that they really need to address the secondary early but i think an improved pass rush um will help the corners and um, so they could easily go edge rusher in the first round, maybe the second round, to try to uh, you know bolster that spot, especially with guys like uh, Deton Jones leaving and 
and, and things like that. So they, they could use some help at linebacker and then the front seven in general. So when you get a Watt, uh, you take advantage of it if he's available, if he's available in that spot. Very good justification. I agree with a lot of it and do think his combine testing was quite amazing. To keep perhaps an edge defender theme here for this interview, I see in the same mock draft you have Jordan Willis of Kansas State going at number 21 overall to the division rival Lions, which is one of the highest projections I've seen for anyone make for Willis. Um, So in your mock, not available to the Packers, what makes you think he could be taken that high? Well, I think his tape um, is very good from the last couple of years. And the real only uh, issue that scouts had was they weren't sure, um, you know, his level of explosiveness. He, he's often um, playing on the strong side of the formation, which means he has a lot more run responsibility. He didn't necessarily just take off around the end like a lot of defensive ends do. He played very strong. He's a relentless player. So um, once he proved the athleticism, not only a fast 40, for example, but also very good agility and and worked out very well um, in in linebacker drills on the floor at the Lucas Oil Dome. I think he showed that, you know, he's a legitimate, you know, top flight prospect. And it'll be interesting to see how high he goes. For example, um, Derek Barnett from Tennessee is a very, very productive player as well. And with Willis's athleticism, he's a little bit better of an athlete, actually, than Barnett. Will that even push him higher? Um, it's hard to say. But I think certainly between Detroit at 21, Miami at 22, um, you know, there's going to be teams, maybe even Seattle at 26 and Dallas at 28, any of those spots he would fit. So um, I think the chances of him being available for Green Bay would be pretty small. But, um, you know, he's, he's really, really a good football player who is helped tremendously by his uh, combine performance. Yeah, I, I like a, I like him a lot as well. Uh, I don't think a lot of uh, people in the draft industry agree with him going that high, just in the mock drafts that I've seen. Uh, but I agree with you. I think he's a really good player. Um, uh, another player not available to the Packers in your mock draft was Takarist McKinley. Uh, who I was surprised to see you at going at number eight overall. Uh, so, Chad, I take it you obviously don't think his shoulder injury and surgery will affect his value that much. Yeah, I think he could go anywhere. You know what's interesting, Brian? There's a lot of guys in this draft class that could go anywhere from eight to 24. Um, <laughs> and, and there's really not much of a, a difference, honestly, in the talent. It's really going to be more of a, a, a value a need, um, a, a team need, and then whether they just like the player. So I could easily see him going to Carolina or Cincinnati at 8 or 9. But in my next mark draft, I might actually have him going 16 to Baltimore. Um, you know, as a, you know, you could see him really easily as a stand-up linebacker playing for the Ravens. So it's really, he, he could be kind of all over the board. As you mentioned, he does have the injury issue. Uh, but, you know, again, he's a, he's a guy that gives 100% on every play and he's got length and the the kind of athleticism that teams want in an edge rusher so he could go like I said anywhere from the top to the middle of the first round and it wouldn't be a surprise either way interesting uh again using your your mock draft as a framework for questions here uh I, I asked you here about the players you don't have available to the Packers but 
when you made the selection of Watt uh, to Green Bay, and another player still on the board at that time was Charles Harris of Missouri. Why did you go with Watt over a player like Harris? Well, I think Harris um, certainly has some nice traits, um, you know, and, and I think at times he looks very explosive as a pass rusher. But I think um, consistency-wise, um, Harris did have some issues with the coaching staff at Missouri, and his consistency wasn't great. Uh, so I think his, you know, a team may take a chance on him in the first round, and it's hard to, um, you know, fault them for that, but. I think he's better as a second-round value, uh, and and that's where I would take him. Um, and, and I think Watt really is. I mean, there's there's nothing that 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 you don't like about T.J. Watt. Um, maybe other maybe than a, a lack of experience at linebacker, but um, you know, there's there's a lot more to like about him. So again, he's one of those guys that let's say Baltimore, you know, really liked him or. Um, Miami or Detroit thought he could play defensive end. Uh, I think Dallas has certainly um, given him a shot, will give him a shot at defensive end, so it's very possible he may not even be available for the Packers. But if he was, I think, to me, there's really not much of a much of a choice between those two. Interesting. Uh, Chad, we've talked at length about edge defenders, but do you think that falls in line with the Packers' biggest needs? You You, you mentioned in passing earlier that cornerback's a big need, too. Yeah, I really think defense. I mean, and football is really the ultimate team game because you really all parts of the defense really have to work together. And if you have a better pass rush, that helps the cornerbacks not have to stay with their guys quite as long, or gives them a break if a receiver makes a great move and the and the corner needs time to you know recover. So I think it just depends on the value of the guys that are available now. Would I blame the Packers for taking a Gary and Conley from um, Ohio State if he was there? Uh, Tredavious White from LSU, a cornerback, very talented? No, not at all. Um, and in fact, I think in a future mock, I'll probably have them selecting Chidobi Awuzie from Colorado, um, who's a very, very talented corner, but actually would fit in the Micah Hyde role very well. And um, it's kind of a tweener. It's, he could do a slot. He can play some safety. He can play... Um, corner outside, so uh, I think I think that's another pick. Awuzie would be another pick for Packer fans to look for, you know, at that spot. Um, and you know, if one of the there's a couple of guards that are actually going to be very very good NFL players, and if they were available, um, Packers might go that direction as well. Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky, for example, um, who will probably go ahead of where the Packers select, but. You know, occasionally a guy like that falls. Brian Bulaga, for example, was not expected to be available for the Packers, and he was. Um, Deion Dawkins from Temple is another guard that that is going to get first-round consideration. So there's a bunch of different directions the Packers could go, which is the good thing about um, a, a playoff team that, you know, is always picking at the end, uh, end of each round, but with the depth in the last few drafts, it's really helped the Packers, you know, potentially get some very good players. Chad, before we let you go, do you have anything to promote? Any uh, upcoming articles that you know are going to be published soon? You, you kind of alluded to a, a mock draft, another one coming up. Yeah, I'll have a, one or two mock drafts yet before the before the draft. Um, definitely a seven round mock that will come out 
um, a couple of days before the draft, and then maybe another longer one as well this week. Um, and then uh, I have uh, positional preview articles that Lance Zerline uh, and I will be putting out looking at by position, who the top players are, who some of the underrated and overrated guys are, stuff like that. So just watch for NFL.com, and um, you'll see my – my face all over the place there over the next couple weeks. (laughs) Sounds good. I greatly appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us. Uh, Great to get your insight on the edge defenders and a few other positions here for the Green Bay Packers. So appreciate it a lot, and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no worries, Brian. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Chad Ryder of uh, NFL.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, the 2017 edition of the Packers tailgate tour came to an end over the weekend with the final stop in Iron Mountain, Michigan, taking place. In all, the tour covered more than 800 miles round trip, according to the Packers' official website. So now that the tailgate tour is over, attention is turning to the NFL draft almost exclusively, almost, between now and and the end of April. We'll we'll have a schedule release in there as well that'll probably, you know, get a lot of attention too, uh, but not quite there yet. And, And so most of the news I have to share today is relating to this year's pending rookie class. And the news is all about players the Packers are reported to be bringing in for official visits, one of them being just across state lines and another north of the border. The one nearby was with Minnesota offensive lineman Jonah Persig, who was reportedly in Green Bay this past Friday, according to Darren Wolfson of KSTP-TV in Minneapolis. Um, One of the most interesting things about Persig is his versatility, having played all over the offensive line, tackle both sides of, you know, both sides left and right tackle, guard and center according to Wolfson. Persig is really tall, measuring in at six foot eight inches, making you think he's probably more of a tackle prospect and less of a candidate at center, but at least he has some experience playing all of them. I think he played right tackle most of all uh at the University of Minnesota. Persig did play in an all-star game at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, so the Packers got a chance to see him in that environment already and now have gotten a closer look at him this past Friday. Uh, And once again, uh, if you didn't know this already, I I usually mention this every episode, uh, but all NFL teams, Packers included, uh, get to host up to 30 official visits before the NFL draft uh, where they can fly in players to team facilities so often it is to get uh, you know questions they might have about a player a lot of times it's health related where they can actually put them through a physical and we'll get to a player who's got some physical question marks coming up here Um but yeah, uh, th- up to 30 players. So Persig, just one of 30 the Packers can bring in. 
and, and quite frequently uh, the Packers, they're not going to sign all these players. Uh, they can only, you know, sign a, a dozen or so total. Uh, but there's a good chance that the guys they sign after the NFL draft is over, you know, they'll they'll sign a dozen or so undrafted rookies. There's a good chance among that dozen, quite a few will have come to pre-draft visits in Green Bay um, because they know the Packers have interest in them, so they sign with them. Um, okay, as for the player north of the border that I alluded to, the Packers are reportedly hosting Manitoba offensive lineman Jeff Gray. That's according to Dan Ralph of the the uh, Canadian press. And as a player that played his college football in Canada, he's definitely the type of player the Packers want to look look at more closely. You know, in general, in Canada, when you play college football there, their, their schedule is smaller. They don't play, they play fewer games. So, you know, he's a little less experienced and there's a little less, you know, tape film on him. Um, and, and certainly the level of competition is not as high as the vast majority of incoming rookies in the United States. But Gray does have the experience of playing in an all-star game as well, having been invited to the East-West Shrine game. So the Packers saw him in that environment and now have the opportunity to get more information on him. So again, you know, probably the reason they're bringing him in is because he played in Canada and not all that experienced and they want to get to know him better uh, and that kind of thing. Okay, another player the Packers are reportedly hosting is Fresno State wide receiver Aaron Peck, whom Kristen Dyer of the Sporting News reports is converting to tight end and is also reporting that the Packers are hosting uh, Peck on an official visit. Peck certainly is big for a wide receiver, reportedly measuring in at six foot three and 239 pounds. And now you can sit here and say the Packers don't have much of a need for a tight end after signing two of them in free agency. But the line between tight end and wide receivers is pretty much blurred in today's NFL with, with so-called move tight ends that flex out wide. And and the Packers certainly need to be prepared in case of injury. So you can certainly understand how they could sign one tight end as an undrafted free agent this year, as opposed to, you know, just kind of dismissing it totally. Uh, you know, they need camp bodies uh, and they need guys who are going to be there in case of injury. Let's let's hope it's not happening to Martellus Bennett and and Lance Kendricks and the guys the Packers are bringing in. But, you know. Injuries happen. Uh, they happen all the time in the NFL. So that's why they're looking at a position, at a player, that um, uh, you know you, you think that they're set at. And they probably want to bring Peck into Green Bay for a physical after he missed all of the 2015 season with a foot injury. Uh, but he did follow that up in 2016. Here are some of his stats. He caught 46 passes for 620 yards and three touchdowns. So not too bad from a, a player from a Fresno State team that, you know, the team in itself uh, was not all that good. Uh, but certainly he was a, a, a pretty good player on a fairly poor team. Uh, and then finally, the Packers are reportedly hosting Eastern Washington edge defender Samson 
<laughs> I'm pardon me for for if I mispronounce this Abukam. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Samson Abukam on Monday, uh, according to Matt Miller of Bleacher Report. Apparently, it's one of 12 visits Abukam is taking across the NFL. And in fact, he was apparently in Pittsburgh uh, on Sunday meeting with the Steelers. What makes Abukam interesting is that he was born and raised in Nigeria until age nine when his family moved to the United States. So coming from a foreign country and then playing his college football at the FCS level, the prevailing sent sentiment about Abukam is that he's you know, probably rough around the edges and, and could use some help in the technique department, but that he's got a pretty high ceiling. In his four-year college career, Abukam has 44 career tackles for a loss and 22 career sacks, but but it's not like he played at Division Three football either. He played at Eastern Washington, which is one of the better programs in the FCS year in and year out. And, and you know, got to play the occasional non-conference game against schools like Oregon and Washington State. So um, you know, certainly a, a guy that they want to check into a little bit closer. But it's not like he's a total unknown or anything like that. So there. Uh, over the past few minutes, we've kind of profiled four pretty interesting prospects that the Packers could be looking at either late in the NFL draft or signing as undrafted free agents. And, and I mean, we're, we're talking all these guys really late. I mean, the Packers would probably consider them, you know, no earlier than round six, the kind of guys, you know, we just talked about on the show. Um, and, and certainly some of them uh, might go undrafted altogether and they would have to bring them in as an undrafted free agent. But that's the news uh, that I got over the weekend uh, without a whole lot else happening uh, for the Green Bay Packers. But that leads us into the next segment. The day ahead. The tailgate tour is over. The regular pro day schedule is over. So there's not a lot going on in the world of the Packers right now is as previously mentioned, we know the Packers are bringing in Samson Abukam for an official visit on Monday, but also taking place today. The NFL announced on social media that the league's preseason schedule will be announced on Monday afternoon. So we're about to learn the four exhibition games the Packers will play this season and four this season uh, and not five like last year when the Packers were supposed to play in the Hall of Fame game. I don't know if the preseason schedule will be leaked ahead of time, but the league said it will be announced on the NFL Network's up-to-the-minute program at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Uh, so if you want to get out your calendar and... Uh, get out some pens and, and start marking the Packers schedule, that's when you can do it. Now, one interesting thing about the preseason schedule that this year is that these games will be the first games being held with the Titletown district open to the public. And, it you know, it may not be 100% complete by then. I, I know it won't, like the the public park that they have planned and all those kind of structures are, are not going to be in place yet or 100% done yet. 
but the anchor should be open by then. Uh, those being Hinterland Brewery and Lodge Kohler. In fact, Hinterland Brewery is actually supposed to open later this week. We'll talk about that on Wednesday's episode of Railbird Central. Uh, but yeah, so uh, that that's what's going to kind of be interesting this year about the preseason is that those things will be in place for the first time. You know, fans will be staying overnight, you know, when they travel to Green Bay for games at the new, you know, Lodge Kohler that is on leased property by the Green Bay Packers and part of the Titletown District. So kind of cool. And uh, we'll find out who the Packers are playing here shortly for Two games at Lambeau Field, presumably, and two on the road. And um, that pretty much brings to an end our day ahead segment. And what we're going to do here is pause for a moment here. I'm going to get our next guest on the phone, kind of a a rare episode here of Railbird Central in which we have two guests today. We might might do this a handful of times in the run-up to the NFL draft. I like to cover the NFL draft heavily. Uh, so we're going to try to preview another position or two here uh, in the run-up to the NFL draft. We've got Eric Fretland of Cheesehead TV's own draft guide coming up momentarily. Like I said, I'll get him on the phone, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Railbird Central, and joining us on the phone right now, we have Eric Fretland of Cheesehead TV's own draft guide. Uh, now available to the public, and you can order online at cheeseheadtv.com. Eric, how you doing this morning? I'm great, Brian. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, Eric, not only do you contribute to the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide, you also do some work for Pro Football Focus and other outlets. C- can you tell us what you do for Pro Football Focus and anything else you want to share? Sure, absolutely. Um this past season for Pro Football Focus, I've I was essentially assigned to follow the uh, the University of Oklahoma Sooners, their football team. Um, so I followed them on a week to week basis, uh, analyzing player participation, uh, going through, looking at snap counts, looking at where people lined up, and things like that. So it's just a really good chance to get uh, to get super involved and and really understand uh, how the OU team works. Um, and then I also contributed to the OU Daily, which is the um, the OU school uh, news website for their football team, uh, covering their, their team covering the football program. Um, I did a, a weekly breakdown of of a few different plays, an in-depth analysis, uh, and that was called Breaking It Down. Very cool. Well, you certainly uh, have a lot of background in covering the college game and specifically Oklahoma, but uh, you're covering mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers for the draft guide. And and Eric uh, specifically did the safety position preview, and we're going to talk about that. And, and Eric, I, I think most Packer fans tend to think safety isn't a big need with HaHa Clinton-Dix and Morgan Burnett both under contract and secure in their starting roles. But, you know, if there's one player I've seen – you know, get a lot of support and think the Packers, well, maybe they might draft him. It, it's Jabril Peppers of Michigan, a uh, lot because mm-hmm. of his versatility. Do you think the Packers might be interested in Peppers? Well, I think when you look at Peppers, uh, one of the biggest areas that he brings value to any team is his versatility, like you said, because he's capable of lining up in so many different positions. Um, but when you look at versatility, you also have to look at how well he plays those roles that he can line up in. And, uh, and I don't see 
any one specific position that he excels at that uh, that other players wouldn't necessarily be a little bit better. Uh, however, with that said, I think uh, if used in the right way, he can absolutely be a contributor and absolutely be a playmaker. Um, unfortunately, as far as uh, his specific coverage skills, I don't uh, I don't see an elite slot coverage man, and I also don't necessarily see an elite deep pass um, or deep center field coverage safety. Uh, and against the run, while he's also good, he is he can be effective. Um, he's not especially uh, he's not especially instinctive, and he doesn't have quite the power. He definitely doesn't have the power to play linebacker on a full time uh, on a full time basis. And he could be an he could be effective um, an effective box safety but he still doesn't have the instincts against the run that a lot of other safeties do. Um, his, uh, now, he would definitely be able to contribute to uh, most or any NFL team as a full-time returner uh, and potentially even as a gadget player on offense, uh, getting snaps at running back, etc. But as far as on defense, he isn't the elite difference maker or even really solid coverage player that the Packers are probably looking to add to their secondary to replace Micah Hyde and just overall upgrade uh, their defense against the pass. Yeah, you know, part of the reason I think Packers fans are interested is because they kind of see a, maybe a comparison a little bit with Charles Woodson and that they both came from Michigan, mm-hmm. they both were Heisman candidates and, and that kind of thing. But I, I tend to think he's he wouldn't be a first-round target of the Packers either. Um but but another similarly versatile player in this year's draft is is Buda Baker of Washington, uh, who appears he can fill both a safety and slot cornerback role. So Eric, how how highly do you think the Packers might consider a player like Buda Baker if he can be a top notch slot cornerback? Well, that's a great question. Um, based on his college tape, uh, he looks as though he looks instinctive in the slot. He's aggressive. He recognizes route concepts, uh, and he has the quickness to undercut routes and always stay in position uh, to you know to make plays on the ball, even when he does uh, try and undercut routes. Um, and he's also quick enough that he doesn't get beat on double moves because of his aggressiveness. Um, so based on his his college tape, he looks extremely instinctive in the slot, and he looks like he could potentially be a great slot player. Um, he didn't get as many reps uh, playing deep. Uh, playing a deep safety role as uh, as some of the other guys that we've got ranked in the draft guide. But um, but there's nothing to indicate that he wouldn't be able to, you know, to occasionally play deep uh, as, as more of a safety. Um, and then on the other hand, when you've got him lined up uh, as an outside linebacker uh, based on certain offensive or defensive formations, playing in the box, things like that, he's, uh, he's, extremely, uh, he's an extremely good player against the run. Um, based on his tape, you wouldn't you would not guess that he's just a shade under five ten. Uh, he has great closing speed. He can cut off run plays from the backside, um, and even when the run is coming to his side, he does a great job of getting off blocks. He's extremely difficult for slot receivers to block, and uh, and he's not afraid to tackle in the slightest. Uh, and he's also an effective blitzer. So using him around the box uh, is something that teams are definitely not going to shy away from. Uh, just because of his size. However, um, looking at it from you know from the Packers' front office perspective, from Ted Thompson's perspective, the very fact that he is so small, um, five nine and a half, uh, one ninety five, um, that uh, that in itself could be a prohibitive factor 
uh, just because Ted Thompson typically prefers larger defensive backs. So that right there would uh, would indicate to me that while Baker might have the talent to go in the first round in a vacuum late first, uh, it makes me think that the Packers wouldn't consider taking him until their second round pick at the earliest. And yeah. by that point, there's uh, a very good chance he's off the board. Yeah, I, I totally agree that 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 height thing. They they just shy away from those those shorter you know defensive backs. They always have. Um, but if he would fall, you know, second round or even later, I don't know how much later he could fall than that. But if he would be available mm-hmm. then, maybe they would consider it. Um, uh, Erica, you know, it may not seem like a big need right now because Morgan Burnett is under contract. But with that contract expiring after the 2017 season, do you think the Packers might look for an in-the-box type of safety in this year's draft? Uh, I think it's it's definitely not out of the question. I mean, if there's one thing we know about Ted Thompson, he uh, he makes sure that the Packers are their needs uh, are taken care of, not just currently, but also you know he he takes a very long view. Um, and if that's the case, there's definitely a few different players that he could target. Um, now, if he's looking for somebody to specifically fill the Morgan Burnett role, uh, he might look, uh, assuming of course that a player, um, you know, an, an elite prospect like uh, Obi Melfonwu is off the board and he's looking for somebody in the second or even third or potentially fourth rounds. I would, I would see, I could definitely see him taking a look at Florida safety Marcus May, uh, who literally, his, the role he played at Florida looked very, very similar to the role that Morgan Burnett plays now. He uh, alternated between, between playing deep half and cover two responsibilities he, uh, he played in the box, lined up over tight ends, and, uh, and, and showed some great instincts against the run. Um, he, uh, he is capable of playing not just, uh, like I said, not just deep pass. But he's also, he also took snaps playing against slot receivers, and especially in the red zone where there's not as much uh, open space for, for quick receivers to get past him and, and get open. He showed some great instincts uh, against route concepts in the red zone. And, uh, and some decent ball skills as well. Uh, so I believe he would most definitely be able to line up, cover tight ends, and, uh, and play as a physical presence in the run as well. Um, and, of course, if they're looking for an in-the-box safety that, um, you know, that isn't just uh, that specific Morgan Burnett role, there's other players out there, like Buda Baker, who can have an impact against the run. Um, but uh, in terms of specifically filling that Morgan Burnett role, uh, Marcus May is the player most similar to him in this draft class. Interesting. Uh, I haven't heard that name a lot. I, I'm certainly aware of him, but uh, I'm mm-hmm. packing that one away in the back of my brain, and I'll, I'll credit you if the Packers happen to draft him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Eric, cornerback is obviously a need for the Packers, and I, I think fans are looking closely at those prospects. And, and one elite one in college was Desmond King of Iowa. Uh, but in the Cheesehead uh-huh. TV draft guide, it, it, he's listed among the safeties. Um, can can you kind of talk about how he fits as a, a corner versus safety, and and a little bit more about King because he's you know one of those uh, I don't know tweeners we can call him maybe. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, so Desmond King, he played the vast majority of his snaps in uh, in college at cornerback. In fact, he had a he had an extremely good season last year statistically in terms of interceptions and tackles, pass breakups, things like that. Uh, however, NFL teams seem to be considering him more of a safety because of potential speed concerns. 
but uh, and and those weren't helped by the fact that he didn't run at the combine because of an abdominal injury. However, uh, based on what I saw on tape and based on his 4.52 uh, 40-yard dash time at the Iowa Pro Day, uh, I didn't see any any immediate concern that would indicate that uh, Desmond King isn't capable of playing corner at the next level. And uh, for a team like the Packers, uh, who have more immediate needs at cornerback than safety, uh, I think it would be foolish if Desmond King were to be drafted by the Packers. I think it would be a mistake if they didn't at least give him a chance to win the uh, the outside cornerback job because uh, he's, he's clearly very capable in man coverage. He's a technical player, um, and he's but he's also physical and he's able to he's able to come up hit. Um, you know he understands zone coverage very well. So I think that might be uh, a large part of the reason why some NFL teams were considering him at safety. But um, but he's he's a, a, a regardless of position, he's a talented football player. And, uh, and obviously the parallels between him and Micah Hyde uh, don't just extend to on the field. As he also is an Iowa prospect. But, um, <clears throat> but, uh, but he could definitely fit in that role. Uh, he's capable of playing man in the slot. He's capable of playing deep uh, in zone. And he's also effective uh, and tough enough to, to be a presence against the run. So, um, so Desmond King is, is a versatile prospect, and I could see him having success at both the safety and quarterback positions at the NFL level. Yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. I think he can play cornerback, too. I saw him up close and personal when he played the University of Wisconsin, and I watch him pick off two passes as they upset Wisconsin in Camp Randall that, that killed me as a Wisconsin fan. Uh, so he is a really good player. He can play. Yeah. Um, Eric, you, you also previewed the specialist for the Cheesehead TV draft guide, and I'm not going to sit here for a half hour and ask you about kickers and punters, but I will ask you about one. <laughs> you know, who do you think is the top punter in this year's draft class, and do you think the Packers would be interested in bringing one in to compete with Jacob Shum? Well, I think if you look at uh, Jacob Shum's performance uh, last season, it definitely was – it, it wasn't terrible. Um, he had some highlights for sure, and I would say he he improved as the season went on. Um, but uh, the contract they, they gave him most definitely does not indicate that they feel like he did enough to lock up the punting job with, without competition you know, for years to come. So I would say in any given draft class, in a situation like this, um, it wouldn't be a surprise for, uh, for Ted Thompson or for a front office to select a punter. Um, and, and that's not a knock on Shum's performance. It's just, it's just um, good to have that uh, backup plan just in case. But um, as far as the top punter in this year's draft class, I would say that's got to be Austin Rico from Idaho. Uh, he's, uh, he's been extremely consistent over his entire career. Um, he's consistently on Lou Groza and Ray Guy watch list because he also played kicker for Idaho. Um, and, uh, and like I said, just extremely consistent performance throughout his entire career. Um, and I think that's, that's the kind of person that they could look to bring in um, just because uh, Ted Thompson values consistency uh, a whole lot. But he's got a, a heck of a leg, and, uh, and a player like that would be a significant upgrade over Jacob Shum. Again, no offense to Mr. Shum, but uh, it, it would be a significant upgrade, and that would be the kind of person that you could, you know, you could keep as a punter for, uh, you know, for 10 years. Yeah, I like Austin Rico as well, and uh, certainly think the Packers could invest a, a late-round draft pick uh, in him 
uh, should he be available. Um, you also rank the kick returners in this year's draft class, and, and so often these guys come from all sorts of positions. Uh, Eric, uh, who, do you, who do you have listed as the top return specialist in this year's draft and why? Well, this year's draft class is, is extremely deep in terms of, uh, of difference-making kick and punt returners. But as far as the top one that I have listed, I have uh, Adore Jackson uh, from USC, the cornerback. And the cool thing about, uh, about Jackson is, obviously, if the Packers were to end up drafting him, potentially in the second or third round, they would be drafting him as a cornerback, so he could also uh, make an impact there. But, uh, but as far as, uh, as a returner, he averaged uh, 30 yards per return on kickoffs and almost 16 yards per return on punts in, uh, in, uh, in 2016 over a relatively large sample size. So clearly he's, he's an electric player. In fact, um, there was, uh, there obviously other teams started kicking away from him on kickoffs, but there, were, there was one play that I saw where it was clearly not a designed pitch to Adderay Jackson. They, uh, they ended up kicking to Juju Smith-Shuster, and, uh, and he didn't like what he saw. So he looked and pitched it almost all the way across the field to Jackson just because he thought Jackson would have a better chance of, of making something happen when he didn't see anything there for himself. Um, so it was just a play like that that indicated that just told me how much confidence the players on his own team had in his just sheer playmaking abilities. Yeah, I remember that play actually. Uh, now that I think about it, you remember seeing highlights on Sports Center of that amazing player, Eric. Thanks so much for kind of talking about safeties here in depth and a little bit about special teams. Greatly appreciate uh, the uh, time you gave us, and uh, you do a great job with uh, the draft guide. And uh, uh, have fun watching the NFL draft. Oh, definitely. Thanks for having me on, Brian. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what we do in those uh, in those few days. Yes, me too. Take care. Eric Fretland of the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide, now available. So go to cheeseheadtv.com. If you're watching the live edition of the show, the homepage is now taken over by Railbird Central. But usually, you know, if you come back, you know, in just a little while, uh, you can go to the homepage. The widget will be right there. Click on it. It'll take you to the store. Uh, I got my copy uh, last week. It's great. Uh, and uh, I highly encourage you to go check out the draft guide from the Packers fan perspective point of view and how these players could fit into Green Bay. Uh, Jersey L and the crew do a great job putting it together uh, with many good contributors like Eric Fretland. So I highly encourage it, folks. Go do that. And uh, that brings an end to today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today on the show. Uh, We'll be back again on Wednesday with another episode. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. I leave you today with a song called One Step Closer by The String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you, folks. Go Pack Go! Thank you.